Welcome back to another episode, a very special episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get a little bit salty. I am your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. How are we doing today, folks? I can't complain, that's for sure. And we have a special guest in the studio with us this evening, Mr. Riley Washington, former Husker wide receiver from 92 to 95, two-time national champion. It's an honor to have you here, bud. Appreciate it. Said, appreciate you being here. All right, Riley. So, if there was anything that the world needs to know about you off the cuff, what is it? Off the cuff? Yeah, hmm. off the cuff. Like, what would about be the me? first thing you want someone to know about you? Just like, boom, right away. Right now, I'm a barber. He's a barber. Yeah. All right. I'm out, I'm out here cutting hair. Yeah, he cuts my hair. I'm changing so. lives right now, day by day. <laughs> day by day, he cuts better and better. Gets better and better. <laughs> changing lives. <laughs> well, all right. So I guess I guess that kind of leads me into my first question about that would be like, what 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 got you interested in the idea of being a barber? Why cutting uh, hair? You know, necessity. I think it came down to a lot. I was um, I was a plant manager at a manufacturing company. We did precast stone and. I was there for a couple of years and the owner started to get there in age and decided he was going to retire and sell the company off. And it had been the second time I've been laid off at the same company. So I just got, kind of got tired of being in that position of always being yeah. controlled in a sense by somebody else mm-hmm. and decided to take action. And, and uh, I just made the decision. And then two weeks later, I was signed up for barbering school. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Everybody just, always needs their haircut. So it's a market that's always open. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And it and it's more um I think it's more gratifying in the end. because um, mm. you do more than just cut hair. You do a lot of I mean you do a lot of more than just cut hair, you know. It's a it's a it's a pretty encompassing field once you get involved with it. Well, I know that's why I decided that that the, your barbershop was where I wanted to stay because I had been bouncing around barbershop to barbershop in the local areas. And just like, I just felt like another customer that was just coming in and they would kind of, you know, just kind of shoot the shit and, you know, get from, get from that haircut to the next one and just didn't really feel that personable. And yeah. right from the jump, I mean, you, Mr. Hensley and just everything that's going on in there, the dog, you know, yeah, you, old Cecil. Yes, yes. Yeah. It just feels like a real, like, just place that that feels like home. Yeah, and I mean that's that's the overall idea. I think that Matt had when he put the shop together. He wanted to have that place where you could come down and have have a beer, hang out, have a bourbon, get a haircut, talk some shit, or talk some stuff, and have a good You're time. You're good, buddy. You're you all know, good. and just have a good time. And um, I think he did that. I mean, that's that's what it's come to be, and it's a uh, it's a fun place to work. It is. <laughs> I remember that the the day where I was just I was in a funk. I just was I just wanted to get in there and get out. And when I show up, the first thing that happens to me is I get hit by a dart. Oh. You guys were having like a dart <laughs> war. It was like the one day where I was just like I just needed just just go in, get my hair cut, and leave. And then there's this whole dart war going on yeah, with dart yeah, guns, yeah. little Nerf guns, <laughs> Nerf gun wars. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like. Yeah, this is this is definitely my jam. I like this because it, it bo- boosted place. my mood. I just I remember getting in my car on the way home. I was like, "What the hell? Like, where, <laughs> where can you go and get your hair cut and have like an all out dart war going on?" 
And I, I thought for a second there you meant like one of those dart boards, you know, with the sharp darts oh, going oh, in the door, yeah. and like tagged no, it in the side of the head or something with one nerf of those. darts. Don't give Matt any ideas. He might do that one day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a good place to come. I mean, it's a good place to come. I mean, we we just have fun. I mean, it's just a fun place to go to every day and get your haircut, hang out. Um, well, um, plug the audience. Plug the audience. Where do you where do you work specifically? If they want to get a haircut, where are they going to go? You want a haircut in Lincoln, Nebraska? I would say come by Hensley's Barbershop. It's on uh, 2010 South 10th Street, right there off of South 10th. And um, it, it's it's not hard to find once you get in because once you find the place, you're not going to want to leave. I mean, no. it's, it's going to be your home. Yep, it's so a good place. It's a fun place. You want if you want a little bit of uh, some whiskey or beer, or you just want to just have some some good decompression type of conversations. It's, yeah, it's the place to go. It's Hensley's Barbershop. I've been going there for well over a year now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do. It's a traditional barbershop too, in the sense that we do all the barbering services. You know, yeah, hot razor shaves. You know, hot steam towels. Oh, it's so good. We let you back, relax. It's a, it's a good, yeah. it's a, it's a getaway for the fellas for a little bit. So do beard trims, get all, so, oh, yeah, get all the full the, works. The full service, I got a yeah. question for you, Riley. I don't know if you remember this cap, but uh, one of my best buddies out there is uh, Steve Baumgartner. Steve, yeah, yeah, him, my guy. Yeah. yeah, him and his son Dominic. I think you probably yeah, gave him his first downstairs. haircut. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Steve told me uh, that he's he's waiting on your order. He said to give you some. Smack about waiting on your order or whatever. I, oh, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want it. I just got to get it. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. He just uh, he just wanted me to give you some give you some crap about that. And yeah. uh, he said to tell you hi yeah. and that uh, you, you was, as he put it, he's a good effing dude. He didn't spell out the UCK, but he said he's a good effing dude. I'm I'm thinking he was texting me from church or something. Okay, so he probably had to, so. <laughs> he had to back it off a bit. But uh yeah. Yeah. Um, Down the trip. That's a good family. Place. So, I'm not wearing a hat tonight because I just wanted to display what you'd have to work with okay. if I ever had to come into your shop. There isn't much left. To it's cut. a cul-de-sac. Yeah, it's that, it's though. definitely a cul-de-sac. Yeah, it's like an island green. You <laughs> know, Julius Caesar. Yeah, on the, on. Yeah. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> Too many years of wearing a hat every single day. And I'm actually, pretty sure the cheap bourbon a, burnt I half of it off. Pick too. up Rolex too. That would take. It's called a bald on top. Haircut. There you go. You qualify. I definitely qualify, qualify. for sure. <laughs> Is that the one where you just use a straight razor and get the rest of it off, or what? No, nah, it's a discount. There's not much left. Yeah. You guys do one of those like little stencil spray on things. Like give I them one that. of those lineups. I have that. Oh, that might be an idea. <laughs> to do That'd it. Be pretty safe with the fade and the nice trimmed up beard and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not thinking of them to come in. I might have to do that. I might have to do that. I have a feeling I'm in for something, folks. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right. So where were you born? Where, where, what did you do what, growing up? Obviously you're not from Nebraska. I know that about you, but our audience might not know that about you. Um, so where did you grow up? I, I was, I was born in Texas. I was born in Plainview, Texas, but I grew up in San Diego. Um, right by the border. Yep. Right by the border. As a matter of fact, our high school at the time was the, uh, last high school before you hit mexico oh wow really you can see the border from our school so was the demographics that was it mostly Hispanics? hispanic population yep. wow okay. yeah yeah it was it was but you know it was a. Uh, it was still good it was fun it was, it was fun growing up it hmm. was it was definitely didn't seem different to me at the time but uh hmm. 
Nebraska is definitely different. <laughs> so then, so then that leads me to my next question. So you played you so you played high school football where? What was your high school name? Southwest. Southwest. Southwest High School in San Diego. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, so what position or positions did you play when you were in high school? In high school, I played running back. You were running back. Yeah. Okay. How One, tall were you in high school? One thirty-five, like five nine. Five nine. Okay. So <laughs> one thirty-five pounds. Yeah. Full speed. I mean, you broke water. a you broke a, a high school record, didn't you? Mm, not that I know of. Oh, you didn't? Okay. It might have been a school record. That school I, school yeah, record. School, school record. record. And then my, oddly enough, well, not even oddly enough, but my brother ended up breaking the same record. Nice. <laughs> Damn <laughs> brothers. <laughs> Little brothers. He was, he was a footballer for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, but, I played, but I played running back and uh, I did play a little bit of cornerback too. Cornerback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when did you first start getting recruited by Nebraska? That's a good question. I probably would say my junior year, or maybe even my not my, probably my junior year. That's yeah. usually when I got a lot of my re, a lot of more serious offers was my junior year. Because didn't you? I mean, I've got stats in here, but your junior year didn't he run for like eleven hundred yards, something I, like that? I think so. I don't honestly, I don't remember all my stats from then. Obviously, but I think that was close to what I did. Yeah, a thousand yards, eleven hundred yards, something like that. Yep. Yeah, it looks like. Yeah, in 1990, he ran for 1,100 yards. And then in 1991, he ran for around 1,200 yards as a senior in high school. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. It's, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was dope. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I mean, I did my thing when I did my thing, you know. That's nice. Do you have any, like, memorable, like, when you were in high school and you were footballing and all that stuff, do you have, like, one particular moment that was just, like, the ah, uh, like, the aha, like, oh, my gosh, I love this moment? No, no, really, <laughs> really, no, not really. I had a a a, a culminate or a couple of different situations where I felt like um, I arrived in the sense, mm-hmm. um, but they were always they were humbling events at the same time too because the game didn't go that way. Like the game started off where I had a fumbling problem. I would fumble the ball all the time. I mm-hmm. just didn't secure the ball away. And so I will fumble a lot. And so we had a game where my coach just sat me down and just said, hey, get on the bench. You're on the bench, buddy. And he sat me down for the first half of the game. Mm. And just made me think about it. Just made me just watch what was going on. And uh, he put me back in the game in the second half. And I ended up being scoring like five touchdowns, you know, like three and some yards rushing. No more fumbles. Mm. So, I mean, that was a humbling experience in itself that uh, I was fast, but you got to secure that ball away too. Hmm. And, uh, I remember you were probably on the traveling squad. I would think for that 1993 um, trip to UCLA. Do you remember that game? No, I wasn't there. You weren't there. No, okay, I was, I was just wondering if maybe you were on the sideline. No. If when Damon Benning got benched <laughs> in that game for fumbling on like the first yeah. two series, if you had some wisdom for him. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't actually travel. I didn't the traveling squad. For whatever yeah. the reason why probably just wasn't good enough for it, but um, I, I do remember that situation though, yeah. and hearing about it at practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, who was your lead recruiter? Who was it that recruited you? Coach Brown, Ron Brown. Okay, he uh, he and um, uh, who was the coach? Uh, coach Darlington. They mm. had Southern California, mm. and so his 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 
in-laws lived in San Diego. Coach Browns did. Oh, okay. So he was there quite often. So he was like my lead recruiter. Wow. So is he the first person that reached out to you? That I don't remember. Was it like I mean, an analyst or something? It's like a letter that you send in the mail. Just like, I think it's one of those just a general letter that they sent to prospects. And I, I didn't pay too much attention to that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Recruiting just, was different back then, It too. was. I mean, yeah, it really was. <laughs> it's a lot different then. Um, wow. So, no, I, I don't know who reached out to me initially, but um, he was my main contact. And after that, it just – once you sign your letter of intent, then everything changes. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is then – at that point, once you send your letter of intent, then they can send you more than just letters. They can send you workout tapes, workout not tapes. Okay. They can see audio cassettes to listen to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, cassettes. So, yeah, that's the interesting part. <laughs> no, yeah, that was even that was even back when CD was was a deal. Was in but, the 90s you know, when we got cassettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man, so cassettes. what? What other programs were pretty hard on recruiting you, trying to get you? Um, I had a few towards the end. Um, like Colorado was trying to recruit me. UCLA mm-hmm. was, but they were for, for a defensive back. Oh, okay, okay. And they were trying to. I wasn't get sure you true play, DB. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to play defensive back in college. Mm. Looking so, back, I probably should have played defensive back, but still not for those schools. So then, I guess that I have two questions built into one. What made you choose Nebraska over, say, a Colorado, and also? I mean, they they obviously wanted to move you over to be a wideout or wingback um, or or hybrid type of player. What what kind of motivated you like Nebraska from Southern California? Nebraska is where I want to go. What what was kind of the the driving force for me yeah, doing that? Yeah. Um. Honestly, it was a uh, a little bit of rebellion in there. A little bit of of self um, selfishness in the sense that. I didn't want to stay anywhere close to home. Not that home was bad, right. but I felt like if I would have stayed closer to home, it was it would have been uh, easier for me to go back and forth to being home and get in trouble. And I mean, I, was, I mean, UCLA and all of those places were only like an hour and a half from San Diego. Yeah. So I could have been home every weekend, but to me, that would be the purpose of going to college. Hmm. So I wanted to go somewhere kind of far away, and then. On my recruiting trip, I went to you. I went to Fresno State first hmm. for okay. the recruiting trip, and um, this is when you can only take three three trips. You didn't you didn't have option to take more than that. You could take three hmm. three trips. Oh, wow. That was the, it. Three yeah. officials was all you could take back. Yeah, then. so okay. you kind of pick and choose where you were going to go. I think you could have taken more trips if you paid for it yourself. Oh, to go yeah, do like it out of and pocket, out of pocket to pay for yeah. it. And I'm not, you know, we're not paying to fly to Miami for a, for a trip, you know. So mm-hmm. it was no. one of those where we just combined to three trips. And I went to Fresno State first, and I remember um, them showing me their uh, their athletic support. I think it was like through Nike, so that was their supporter. So they had showed me Nike shoes, and mm. which is cool. I didn't care. Um, I was into <laughs> academics, believe it or not. So I went to see the academic center, which is basically, it was a table probably twice this length. And it had probably like six computers on it. That was it. Oh, yeah. dang. And that was their academic center. 10 foot table with six computers. <laughs> and this was back in the nineties. So, I mean, maybe they've upgraded since then, but it I just, would think so. It just didn't, <laughs> it just didn't pique my interest enough to right. me to commit to that. So that can remember to, to Nebraska on that trip. And uh, obviously the, the academic center was like top tier. It was, mm-hmm. 
it was like what I wanted to see. And then also, also the other things as well, the, the athletic center and the weight room and the stadium and mm-hmm. the parties and the peoples and all that was, all that was, was part of the process of getting me here. But um, yeah, I came. I'm surprised I came too, though, because it was cold when I came. I grew up <laughs> that was going to be my next question was, what was your first impression of Nebraska? I was, Burr. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I came, uh, funny story is I, we, uh, I came on December 19th, 1991, when I came to Nebraska for my recruiting trip. And Ooh. I remember thinking I was so smart that I was going to bring me a sweater because I know it's going to be cold here. <laughs> So I brought a sweater. I, I made sure I bought me a thick sweater. Now, it was a thick, loose-knit sweater. So the holes in the sweater were about this big. <laughs> <laughs> it was like but, wearing a T-shirt with thread yeah. over it. So yeah. I thought this sort of, I thought this, this sweatshirt, this sweater on, I thought I'm going to go outside and be where it's nice and warm. And I go outside the tunnel. And this was when it was on the south end of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I opened that door. And that wind from the tunnel, it hit me. Mm-hmm. And I really questioned, and I, why was I here? <laughs> why am I going to school here? This is this is this this is cold, and it shouldn't be this cold. Yeah. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been that was ninety one. I moved to Nebraska in nineteen ninety. Okay, I'm originally born and raised in Arizona, not far from San Diego. I live okay. maybe seven hours from San Diego. Gotcha. Uh, so my wife moved from Nebraska to. Arizona back in 1989. We met two weeks later, got married. And, and then you came 1990, back we drove, we came here. My first trip was uh, for Christmas to meet her folks and uh, do the, or no, we'd already met her folks, but we came, came that Christmas and it was all to arrange the wedding, get the wedding all figured out and all that. Get off the plane in dead of December in 1989. Mm. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> mm. uh, she's cute and really, I really <laughs> like her and this is going to be awesome. But dang, I hope she don't drag me back here later after we get married. And sure enough, here I am 30 some years later. So yeah, I can relate, dude. I yeah. can totally relate. Yeah. The cold weather is definitely not a joke. Oh, no. definitely not. Nebraska is one of those, one of those few states that when people think like, what would be a really hot and a really, really cold state? At the same time, like most people don't think of Nebraska, but like it's seriously in the summer, it's hot, it's muggy, it gets up into the hundreds. So yes. it feels like yeah. 100 and 115, yes. 130 degrees sometimes. And then the wintertime, you've got the wind chill and you still have the humidity. Yes. And so when it's 10 degrees, it feels like it's negative 10. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just this last winter, we had negative 40, 40 degrees, true mm. negative 40 degrees with a wind chill of like negative 50 or something like that. It was just like, what ridiculous. is going on? Ridiculous. It is pretty ridiculous. 100, 100 degree difference between the summer <laughs> and the winter. It's, it's, uh, it's it's it can be pretty brutal um but no who was who was the first person when you did show up on campus like who was who was your i guess chaperone or or person person or persons who who showed you around and kind of gave you an idea of what the like on my on the, on on your visit on my on, visit on your visit yeah, yeah. it was uh, abdul muhammad that's abdul what muhammad mm-hmm. okay yeah and it'll be one of my one of my good friends but uh yeah, it was Abdul Muhammad. He was my actual host. Um, mm-hmm. And then I remember hanging out with Clester Johnson and uh, mm-hmm. I think Reggie Ball was a couple of places. I remember uh, Dwayne Wiles, Ed Stewart. I remember seeing that guy. I went to a party. Um, but I, but my actual host is Abdul Muhammad, though. Nice. Yeah, cool guy, man. He still does a lot for the for community tweets in Omaha. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. We saw him at the uh, – we went to the day-by-day. 
Oh, the, the, uh, the movie showing. premiere at, yeah. at the Rococo Theater, yeah. and we saw him there and a couple okay. other people. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think part two of that's coming out pretty soon here too. Yeah, we yes. just had Justin LaPere. Well, not just had, but at the week we covered the Oklahoma game after the Oklahoma game, we, we had him on and he talked, told us yeah. about part two. Yeah, and, yeah. Because that was yeah, right after pretty, Frost was fired. Some pretty so pretty juicy it was, stuff too. Yeah, yeah. We were like, uh, dude, how is it going to change now that Frost is gone? Can you keep, are you going to be able to keep all the stuff in there? Because he has a prominent part in part two. Yeah, he does. And he said, yeah, it's all good. He's going to be fine with us keeping all that in. So He should. He's got yeah. no problem with it. There's nothing much being said about him in there. Yeah. <laughs> in part two. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So interesting. Um, so Dua Muhammad was 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 kind of your kind of your host, as as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, what were they telling you? What were they saying? Were they like, hey, we're about to go win a national championship. Come here. Like that was that feel. But no one. It was kind of that feel. Yeah. I mean, um, more so it was more so with the recruits. than with the hosts. Mm-hmm. Like we, mm-hmm. as recruits, we're kind of talking to each other. Like, yeah, we're kind of, we're all going to go to school here, right? This is where we want to go. Mm-hmm. But the host, were, you know, like Abdul, Abdul, I mean, got here in '91, so he was a sophomore up at the time, time when I got here, maybe a junior. But um, yeah, if he got here so in '92, he was a sophomore because yeah, he was a senior in '94 when he finally won the title. So. Yeah, so yeah, he um, he and his mother guys on the team kind of had that mentality too. But a lot of us. Other with the recruit like the Tom, Tommy and so forth, we're all the same year, so we mm-hmm. went that's that We're gonna all go to one school. We just said decided to say Nebraska and which school we're gonna go to, and um, <clears throat> you know the rest is history. After that, a lot yeah. of guys came in. After that, we <laughs> really just good history in the factory. Yeah, yeah, no did. kidding. So when did you uh, when did you first meet Tom Osborne? On a house visit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think he came to the house. This is when Tom was dying his hair brown. Oh yeah, the the yeah. brown the brown hair. Yeah, he didn't dying. show with the, with the white hair this time. He came with the brown. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the first time I met was at the house, and uh, that was like surreal. And but not I won't say surreal because I wasn't I wasn't a diehard Nebraska fan, so it wasn't right. like he was someone that I looked up to and was like, oh my God, Osborne's in my house. It was like for me, it was like he's a college coach in my house. Hmm. And he's saying the right things because <laughs> I had another I had another coach that was in my living room talking to my mom. And bear in mind, I'm 18 years old, so not the most disciplined individual in the world. So his sales pitch, I guess, was to tell my mom that you know, Miss Washington, you know, our kids are we we discipline our kids, we stay on them. If they miss classes or so forth, we 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 take care of them. We make them run at like five in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sitting right that. there when he says this, right? <laughs> so I get that look to my mom I'm like, mm, nope, no, nah, we're not, we're, we're not doing this. <laughs> I'm not that bad. I'm not a bad student, so we don't worry about running. Like, no, we're not doing this. So that kind of actually acts the whole idea out of me doing that from that school. <laughs> I got panels falling off the walls. One right behind you as you were talking, Riley, just went thump. <laughs> it's just it's been doing that lately. It didn't like discipline either. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> yeah, it's not keen about running steps at five in the morning either. Oh, I hear. <laughs> I understand it fully. Oh, okay, so what was it like 
being coached by Tom Osborne and company, and I guess obviously Ron Brown and all that. But what what was your experience like? Obviously, you get to campus and you start. You you're enrolled. You're a football player and all this stuff. What were the coaches like in your experience? <sighs> Interesting. Um, I guess it was nothing to be. It wasn't what I expected in the sense that it, it was. The the overall experience is just different from high school. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's not a it, the intensity is is focused differently. Mm-hmm. You know, in high school we did our we did our practices in high school and the coaches told you to do certain things and at the very end we would do our our, our conditioning and intensity then. Mm-hmm. And college was the opposite. Like we didn't do a lot of running after practice. We did everything during practice. Everything was intense when you did it. So mm-hmm. that was the that was a different with that. So they all had personalities, coaches wise. You know, Osborne and and Coach Brown were more church going. Mm-hmm. You know, Osborne when he got mad, he was said like Judas Priest, <laughs> yeah, Dag Nabbit. <laughs> and when he said that, you know, he got attention, he got the respect. Yeah. Dag Nabbit, he's like, so, yeah. oh, hold, hold up, hold shit, up, he's, he's mad right now. Like, whereas you have like you know Coach Steele on the field, he's oh, yeah. f bombing everywhere. Every other word is. This, this, and this, and you're an idiot, and, and f this, and f that, and we're just sitting there on the football field, and because I'm just caught up the next play, like, okay, guys, let's line up. <laughs> this over here, and you can hear what the a echo contrast. of the stadium. Yeah, it was just a big difference. And, and Coach Brown was a, he was a, he was just, he was a technician. Mm. Like he was making sure we did the right things all the time. Mm-hmm. That was his focus. Mm-hmm. No. It's a wonder. It's no wonder he stuck around the program for as long as he has, and future coaches and whatnot have, have decided guy, to keep him around. That guy does not leave. Like, no, and he doesn't age either. Well, I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that, but yeah, he was the guy that was my direct contact every every day as first practice, Coach Brown. Yeah, and yeah. as far as football wise, he was that was a technician when it came to certain things. That's I was born, cool. We had uh, we had. Contact, you know, as far as like in team meetings and on the field when we did team, but one on ones and stuff like that was being off and Coach Brown. Hmm. So you were you were specifically recruited then as a wide receiver. They weren't looking at no, you at running back. I was or? actually recruited as a running back. Really? Okay. Yeah, and oh, really? they gave me the option. They asked me if I wanted to go to receiver or not. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and at the guys who were there, and I said, "Yeah, I'm going to yeah. you know, I'm gonna go with guys who are more my side, with my yeah. people, with my people." Yeah, uh, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. The running backs and linemen were like they were a little bit intimidating for me. I was yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I go through with the receivers, guys who are my size, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Corey Dixon, and you know, yeah, Muhammad yeah. Well, you had those guys. Let's see, when you got in, it would have been like Calvin Jones, Derek Brown, and mm-hmm. those guys were all running the ball. Yeah, Damon was a youngin. Come in, I think, yep. at 92. Same year. Yeah, yeah same, year. same year. Same year, yeah. Oh, that's right. You are part of that 90, that 92, 92 class. Were you involved in the fight? That Do you was, remember that, was, that story? That was, that was, which one? The one? That was 91, wasn't it? Oh, was it 91? That was 91. In the dorm parking lot? Yeah, some dorm parking lot. I couldn't remember if that was 91 or the 92 class was part of that deal. That was but, 91 and okay. probably 92. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say <laughs> I, was, I was there. Yeah, I, I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it happening. <laughs> I just remember him talking about that in the movie because I'd heard tale of it too, and I was like, God, I, I knew if I ever got a guy from that era behind, around the table, I wanted to ask him. But no, uh, that in the movie, that's actually from '91. Okay, that I couldn't 90, remember. That was '91. Yeah, okay. that was '91. 
Because Coach Brown was in that movie, he said one of the things because we Nebraska was notorious eight, nine, ten wins. You know, Osborne averaged no less than ten wins a year. Mm-hmm. But then he'd get to the bowl game where it was equal competition, different schemes that didn't necessarily match up. And they had a hard time getting over the hump. I think he went eight, nine seasons in a row without winning a bowl game. Mm-hmm. So Ron, Coach Brown said in on day by day, he said, we changed our recruiting focus. We went after guys that were a little more edgy than we were re- accustomed to recruiting. <laughs> so, and I'm sitting there going, well, if you translate that, that means there's a lot more Christian Peters on the team than they normally would have recruited guys that would get a little hot. But they needed to run a little hot to be able to get over that next hump, you know? Right. Hmm. I mean, if you look at most championship teams, it, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know of any championship team, to be honest, that the players were squeaky clean. Yeah. No. I mean, name the last one where the guys were all perfectly good. No one got in trouble. There was no <laughs> scandals. There was nothing. They were all straight A students. They were right. all good. Name one. I want to hear. There, there is one. Because it always comes out. Something yeah. happened. Somebody was re- taking recruiting money or somebody mm-hmm. was – Sure. On, oh yeah, on trial there's, for murder or something. Was only, Look yeah. at Florida, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's only two types of teams: teams that are in trouble and teams that have yet to get in trouble. There's, I mean, it's like there's a study in contrast. You mentioned Florida, Aaron Hernandez, right? Yeah. And he played at the same time as Tim Tebow, didn't he? Talk yeah. about two contrasting yeah. people, dude. That was team. destined to basically be a street preacher, and a dude who was destined to kill people right? You know, and hang himself in his prison cell because he knew he was done, you know? So, I mean, you want to talk about, Yeah. but both of them played Polar with opposites. that edge. They both, when they were on the football field, yeah. were great college football players. You can't take it away from either but one of them. you need the edge though. But, you, yeah. you need to have those guys who have a sense of self, sense of pride, mm-hmm. fighting, you know, attitude. You need to have that. That's where coach, I think coaching has probably changed over the years is in that, they're not allowed per se to be coaches. Yeah. You know what I mean, like you, in, you in the way that the kids fade, you can't hold a kid accountable anymore because they cancel you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would hate to be a coach now. Like I'm, I'm glad for what I went through as a, as a player, you know, uh, as, as a, as a player and dealing with certain coaches mm-hmm. and holding you accountable because mm-hmm. now we don't have it. Well, I've, I've, the only way that I've been able to, make a comparison to how football and the culture that it used to be back in the nineties and even going into the early two thousands is that it was almost similar to the military. You had a brotherhood, you had accountability, usually intimidated by physical pain. And there (laughs) was a sense of keeping people in line through a constant threat of you. Not only are you going to have physical pain, but then you're going to have this, cultural ostracization where you just like not only are you physically shunned but you are looking in yes in all aspects yeah 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 yeah. it's it's a shaming culture culture. and 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 one of those things that that it's it, it it does so well in the military is that it builds cohesion ironically because once you have been into that well wearing your dunce cap and your cone of shame it's like well there's only two options i leave and i continue to carry on that shame or i do everything in my soul and my power to, to earn it back um and i mean they have lucrative ways to do it these days mm-hmm. but it's it's not as 
on nose on the grindstone right in your face as as I'm sure it was. I, yeah, I agree. I think there's a sense of um, pride when you come in as a freshman or as a sophomore transfer or whatever, and you have to work your way up to starting. You know, yeah. there's, a, yeah. there's a sense of accomplishment with that. Like, I made it. Like, I did it. You know, I, I waited my turn. I bust my I bust my tail when I got here. And now it just doesn't seem to be that way. It just, mm-hmm. it's just. Yeah, you can just pop yourself in the transfer portal and boop, deuces. Yeah. You know, well, high is bitter. Yeah. 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 High is bitter. And uh, mm. it's, it's a, it's a different. Do you, do you have anything from the culture in the nineties that you would say, yeah, probably not that great. Like in retrospect, is there anything that you could look at and be like, Ugh. it wasn't a benefit to do that way. Yeah. Or, is there anything or not even of a benefit, just anything that you'd look back and be like, yeah, probably not the, not the best idea. Is it really for anything? me as a person or just me just in general? Oh. Both. As a player, I mean, me as, as a player, player I mean, there's a few things that I wish I would have done differently. You know, I wish I would have worked harder. Obviously, that was a big deal. I, worked, I thought I worked pretty hard, but I thought I could work harder. Looking back, mm-hmm. um, obviously made dumb mistakes. I mean, that's as an 18 year old kid. You know, you're gonna make those mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. so as far as myself is concerned, I think anybody's gonna ask that. You know, you'll change some things about what you did in the past. Work harder, or, you know, certain things. But as far as the, the game itself, as a culture, as, as a, a culture, culture, the game itself. Honestly, I can't think of anything that I would take back from the time that I was here and the culture of the game that was here. I wouldn't think anything, I wouldn't change anything about it. Thought it was pretty damn solid. I thought it was pretty solid. We was held accountable for our actions. We dealt with things, and we had our unity council where if the coaches didn't deal with it, the players dealt with it. Right, so, right. You know, I don't think there was anything that was. <clears throat> it's like I appreciate the what I went through growing up. As opposed to looking back and, oh, my parents were wrong for doing me this way or or making me walk home or or the coach would make, me, make me run steps. Well, there's a reason why I run those steps. There's a reason mm-hmm. why I had to walk home. Was, you know, those things all built you up to where you're at now. So I can't look back and and be disappointed in going through it. Or resentful. Or, or resentful yeah, for it. Yeah. yeah. It's just what it was. And I'm thankful for some of that stuff I went through. You know? Because if you – I mean, now I use those things. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 become disciplined as you get older by giving discipline when you're younger. Right. I don't sets the foundation. Now. Yeah. I don't see the foundation now. What's the foundation? Because now you have a you have a, 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 a flighty a flighty culture now. Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. it's flighty. No one's gonna stick around. Everyone's gonna go for the easier option, which may not be the better option, but it's the easier one. Mm. I that brings up a question for me, you know, uh because they don't do things culturally, <laughs> accountability, all those kinds of things. You hear coaches talk about it all the time. You know, you hear, for, for example, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, both of them talk extensively about establishing culture in their locker rooms. They talk about um, trusting the process, <laughs> if you will. How are those guys so good at coaching and so good at getting guys to play at such a high level? Is it just the stars behind their names because they're just that talented? Or are they doing something within, as a coach, even in a culture now that doesn't like to coach kids tough, like you're talking about? How I, do they do it? I mean, I, I honestly couldn't speak for those particular programs as far as what they do. Um, I've always had the idea that the <clears throat> the media plays a large role in where kids go. Even mm-hmm. when I was playing, like 
if if you're a kid growing up and you're watching ESPN and they keep telling you that this conference is the best conference, whatever it be the Pac-10, the Big sure. Ten, whatever else, the SEC, kids are hearing this mm-hmm. and they flock to those conferences. Now you got a team within that conference that does well, like in Alabama, that just does well, mm-hmm. like Nebraska did. Now kids want to go to that school, and it just becomes one of those deals to where until you get a bunch of kids who just have to change the game and go, mm-hmm. you know what, we're not going to Alabama. We're going to go over here mm-hmm. and make this school. Until that type of thing happens, which I think is happening now with NIL, that's why it's hitting the coach with that too. You'll start to see talented kids go elsewhere for the dollar. Sure. That's where mm-hmm. it's at now. So I would hate to be a coach now because it's hard to it's hard to – those coaches in the NFL per se that tried the NFL route that didn't mm-hmm. work out was it because they couldn't coach, or because money was involved to change the culture and the mindset of the players? Mm-hmm. So now you're in the college level now with the, with the same mindset. I make more than you as a coach. I make more than you as a player, <laughs> and you're my coach. I'll, right. I'll just leave. Right. Right. After a while, you start to see these administrators say, "Nah, we can have 15 players leave. We'll get rid of the coach." So if you couldn't coach in the NFL because of that same mentality, will you be the same kind of a coach on a collegiate level now? Mm-hmm. So the Nick Sabans who did the NFL for a while and ha- didn't have success mm-hmm. because of that mentality, what happens to him now when that starts to permeate to the high school, to the college level? And these guys are going, nope, I'm going over here. They pay more. Mm-hmm. Or I make more than you, and you're not winning games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. It's just a it's, matter of time. It's Yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion. It's always – I'm old school enough that I was not a huge fan of transfer portal. I'm not a big fan of NIL. It's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I understand the sentiment behind it. I understand the kids should, damn it, let them go work. You know, why, why do we and have to that, sign a, con- a contract so that they can represent like Dakota Crawford could represent the AC company oh, here in company. town and make a little bit of, mm-hmm. how about he just get a job there? That'd be kind of cool, you know, or get a job and cause you can't, technically get a job when you play football for the university can well, you well, at you least can, not anymore the, the reality is is when are you going to work yeah when are you going to work mm-hmm. it's not a matter of you you're a full-time football you're a full-time player student. and full-time student yeah, so that's you're at, true you're at you're you don't have time yeah, two to full-time work. jobs you know you may be able to get a part-time job with a couple hours a night mm. i mean so how much is that really worth the time right for a right student? yeah now as far as the nil you know personally i think there should be some form of payment to players to get by, hmm. not to get over, not to yeah. become rich with, not to this. Where's the you learn a lot of different things in college, like having roommates is one of the things you deal with in college because you have to. You're getting 300 bucks a month. Hmm. You want to live off campus, you're getting 400 bucks a month. Now you need roommates. Right. Yeah. You learn to deal with people <clears throat> in situations. Yeah, like I, now these. I didn't have a problem with the stipend. I thought the stipend was important yeah, to, to do what they is. did a few years ago when it. It and, and every college could it increase yeah yeah and and i thought that was a good thing well inflation is but, changing things too. oh yeah things absolutely more expensive too but yeah, absolutely you know, I, think the, I think it becomes ridiculous though when you start putting you know six even seven figures out here for kids who are coming out of high school who haven't played one down a college football yeah mm-hmm. like what do you what's the message you're sending it's not one of this know your value i don't think that's it it's just forget your education <laughs> as bypass education to make you some money. 
But yeah, it's like mm-hmm. uh, Archie Manning or Ar- yeah, Archie Manning gets like seven mil to go to Texas, and then boop, deuce out. Yeah. See you later, guys. Yeah, I mean, been, I haven't I mean, even played a down of football yet. Yeah, I just don't. I just yeah, it just it's it's. But I know it things, is. I know it, things change, but to me, it just seems that, how does that work for the team? I wonder. I don't know. How does it work in a locker room? In a yeah. locker room setting. Like, yeah, how does it know. mess with the dynamic when you know you've got an $8 million quarterback who's a true freshman who's probably expected to start and you got five-year offensive linemen not even making six-figure going. Not making anything. Do I really want to block for this clown? If he's going to come in here getting strutting? money? Yeah. Is everyone no. getting money? Probably not. Probably not, no. You know, so – and then the whole idea that the whole stability situation of transferring constantly – yeah, mm-hmm. I don't understand how that works. How does how does anyone think that's a good idea? Mm-hmm. Like you're not showing your future employer, which is the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's not like you got multiple NFLs. There's one NFL. Yeah. So they all know who you are and what you've done. So if you transfer six times in high school, four times in college, I'm not sure I want you in my locker room. Yeah. In my organization, yeah. you're not very committed to anything. That was why I. I wasn't a wasn't surprised when Dylan Rayella ended up going to Georgia, and B wasn't too broke up about it. He already committed to Ohio State and he left. Right, he's on his third high school now. One in Texas, he played one year at Chandler or something in Arizona. Now he's on to Pinnacle High School in Phoenix. So it's like, is there is it is this for visibility? Is this to go to tougher competitions so it shows him off more? Or, is he committed to staying somewhere? And, you know, it's like I keep hearing people say, well, Dylan will probably end up being a Husker when it's all said and done. He'll go to Georgia. He won't win the job, and he'll want to come to Nebraska. I don't see somebody like Coach Rule going, yeah, come on over. He's got his dude now. And I, I don't think know. He, I think he likes Kalen. I think he likes what Kalen brings to the table, especially since he's an in-state kid. So that's just me. Yeah. And I'm yeah. kind of biased myself. So, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it'll all – eventually just kind of even out because right now it's just the wild wild west it's the it's the california gold rush everybody Mm -hmm. is doing everything Mm -hmm. that they can because the market instantly inflated because Mm -hmm. they realize if i throw enough dollars i can get this talent and the talent's realizing i really don't have to try at this point i just get my bag and then i can go somewhere else but Mm -hmm. and when it's all said and done i think there's going to be a generation or two that'll go by that we're going to learned that there were more often than not million dollar recruits that performed you know dollar store you know value and so it's like there's going to be a lot of nil that's going to probably end up tapering off over the long run and be more evenly distributed because they're going to realize this is not an investment worth it like if quinn ewers ends up being like a generational quarterback at texas all right awesome but there are many, 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 many guys who are getting, you know, really, really high value NIL deals that in five, 10 years from now, there's going to be a documentary about it. Like, where did the money go and was it worth it? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be kids that I think are going to get less money over time. There's going to be a lot more of an even distribution of it. And I think they're going to probably regulate it at some point. There's no way they don't get by without some form of regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but You brought up a point earlier that I just think is so fascinating to think about, which is, yeah, how does a culture sustain itself in such a wild west time right now? It's like, how 
how does it happen? Is it some form of like really fringe psychology of the collective conscience, you know, like just everybody that's, that's worth anything. They just are attracted to what is going to actually work them hard enough to give them the best results possible. Like a Georgia winning back to back national championships in the middle of this NIL stuff with a walk on quarterback. It's like, how does that happen? Well, maybe there's just some sense of they're all speaking the same same language starting in the recruits living room that the grinders the guys who yes they might have stars by their name but they don't have stars by their name for no reason maybe they have that mindset of like i want to get yelled at i want to get i want to learn i want to i want to grow and the only way that i can grow is if i get a lot of freaking sunlight and sunlight can be painful sometimes and so it's like and then you got to drown because you got to get water and you got to have all these things that happen to you that that make you grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if rules going to be able to do that here, but there's got to be some formula through any environment. I, I don't think that this environment is going to be so polluted that there can't be true grinders and true champions. I just think that the yeah. language has changed and I just don't know how that's going to all play out. But yeah, that's that's the toughest situation to be in <clears throat> for a coach now. I mean, because oh, yeah. you can you can long play your your recruiting process and your coaching no. strategy. I mean, because you know you always see that guy who's a who's a, a phenom, a senior in high school. You bring him in, you're going to work with him for two or three years, get him ready to play, build around. You can't even do that anymore. Nope. Because you bring that kid in, he may get here for a semester and feel like you know what, I'm not starting, so I'm going to transfer. When you saw the potential in him. Mm-hmm. For a couple of years in the line, learning the system and learning, getting getting bigger mm-hmm. and stronger. He doesn't even see that now. So now he's gone to his third school and his right. fourth school. So as a coach, though, how do you build a program up and sustain that program when your pieces are always so fluid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your pieces are so fluid now. Like you can't you can't count on any one person to be there longer than a semester. Very true. Very true. And, and you know, rule and his his coaching staff that he's hired they specialize in development. That's the thing they want to be is a developmental program, right? I mean, and every indication of what we've seen so far is that's exactly what they're doing. My guess is they're looking for players that are of the mindset that, yeah, I want to go to the next level. Most of the scouts out here, most of the recruiting services out here don't see me getting to the next level. So my stars are a little low. Mm -hmm. I want to be developed and they have a track record of doing it. Temple, Baylor, right. a lot of these same guys took dudes that most people didn't want. They're getting track speed back. You know, guys like you who, you know, back then you were what? The fastest guy on the team, if I remember correctly. Um, so, and then develop them. But, see that, but, it, that, but that begs to what I was saying right now, that, you know, when he was at Temple and Baylor, that was a different system then. Yeah, you didn't guys have NIL, in, didn't have TP. You didn't yeah. have people transferring off that so fast. You had the guys who were there for two or three years, and you could build them up and get that team together and have them build up. Now, you may bring – 20 guys and 10 guys and who who could without a doubt be starters in the next year mm-hmm. or two years and be a solid a solid 10 guys but before you get to year two you felt you lost half because they transferred right. out hmm. you know they just they want to be there mm-hmm. you know so how do you build that is it, it would be a, it's just, it's a tough deal like you got to build a championship team like patino mm-hmm. you got to build one-year teams because you can't plan on guys being back the next year. 
Right, right. Like so, Patino did and what, what Calipari now Calipari has been doing, doing it yeah. for 10, 15 years yeah. now at Kentucky. In Kentucky, you got to just be able to get and yep. build super teams up to win one championship right now. Yep. Hmm. And that, that to me, sounds like a tough, a tough task. That's why they get paid so much to be coaches, I suppose. I guess they don't pull it off, though. <laughs> I haven't seen it happen yet. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it's possible? Do you think that from a high school level, that more and more coaches are going to really start coaching these kids to realize that, like, hey, I mean, I'm sure they're doing it now, but there has to be a shift. There has to be something that coaches can tell their guys that it's like. Yeah, you might have just by luck of 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 geography showed up to our school and got the starting job, but there's no snowball's chance in hell that you're going to do that in Division One football. Right? You've got you've got to humble yourself, kids. Like you need to realize that you got to go and you got to work. You know, and and maybe a few, you know, five ten years down the road kids witness on TikTok and YouTube and all this stuff, all the people that they followed for all the clout and all these, all these, you know, super egocentric, you know, NIL top dollar guys. Well, where are they now? Well, they're working at Jimmy John's because they, they got all their money. They spent it all they didn't do anything with it. They didn't ever get it. They, they transferred four times and then they finished their career at a Division two mm-hmm. school and didn't and didn't even start there. Or didn't even tra- didn't even, didn't even get it get anywhere. No, yeah, didn't get it. Didn't go to go anywhere. I mean, there's just gotta eventually be some like neutralizing factor to the culture. It's just I, I just don't know how it happens. Do you think? Do you think there's a way that it happens? That's a good. That's a good thought. I mean, because I mean, the culture it evolves. The culture evolves. It's it going to evolve, and we can we can't come with some archaic way of just saying chop the head off because that's that's not going to work no but as far as like the mentality i think the mentality is going to have to change and it's, it's going to take some hard falls from some of these guys to 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 be to to for it to be realized that the the path is wrong i mean you're, you're missing the whole point of what we're trying to do with this this makes an even playing field and it did just the opposite of it there's right. no benefit to giving a kid who's out of high school a million dollars. Who is that really for? Who's pushing that agenda? Yeah. And you know, who's really pushing you for a million dollars? No, you're worth. You're 17. You're 18. You just hit puberty. I'm sure you don't do it with a million dollars yet. <laughs> you know, and who asked you for that? How about go to school? You got money to get by, mm-hmm. which is what you need anyway to get by. I mean, mm-hmm. or I, I'm not sure all the rules either, though. But Yeah, me neither. You know, I've always said too, as far as the NIL deal, and again, I don't know the rules how they go, but from the outside, and I said, you know what, make it an incentive to graduate. Yeah. So if you there's come, a contract, if, if you're incentive. a kid that comes in and you make five hundred thousand dollars for your contract, okay, cool. You don't get it though until you graduate. Hmm. Or you owe us the money back if you don't follow through with this contract. You don't get the money. Yeah, that'd be easy. You don't get the money yeah. until yeah. you graduate. Now, once you graduate. It's all your money, whatever's there. Now, let's say, for example, you don't graduate or, yeah, you don't graduate, but you leave early. You go to the NFL. That $500,000 is still sitting in that account for you. That's still your money. But every year you don't graduate, a portion of that goes right back to be dispersed amongst the other guys that who, who will graduate. Yeah. The ones who are there still, the sophomores. The I have a feeling that's what's coming. And here's why, because I think eventually this whole NIL deal is going to all be brought in-house for the 
the universities to handle. No more collectives, no more highest bidder coming along. They're going to have a pool of money every year. And eventually Congress will get involved and they'll say mm-hmm. these schools in this conference, they have this cap that they can spend. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, it's basically NFL light. Yep. But yeah. you can stipulate in a contract, okay, you're going to have a stipend to live on. Here's your money you're going to live on. Mm-hmm. Here's what you get if you walk out with that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't get drafted, they've got a nice little nest egg they can start a business with, things like that. And you All know right, how Husker Nation is, right? And chances are, I mean, if you're, if you're a guy who has $500,000 sitting here and yeah. you don't come back and get it, you're probably making a lot more than NFL or you're in jail. Yeah. Something's wrong. You know, you're <laughs> yeah. not going to just all of a sudden leave. It either went really well or really bad. Really bad. <laughs> so either way it goes, I think it's a win-win across the board. You know, yeah. if, if you're doing bad financially, go back to school, man. Mm-hmm. Graduate. Get that yes, money. Sir. It's yours. Go get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be something that's already in place anyway. I don't know. That was just my off-the-cuff sure. thought process of what could be done with that. I think, like I think that's probably how it, it's going to end up happening because every – money needs to have an incentive behind it. There's no – there's there's a reason why NFL players get contracts, and there's a reason why – Oops, sorry. You're fine. Wrong button. Um, there's a reason why when you get hired anywhere to do any sort of job, there's an employment contract. It's mm-hmm. like we expect you to do X and to we will give this. you Y. Now, there's probably it's some like, incentives as far as like – I want to say that there's like based on popularity. I think there's so many likes or followers mm-hmm. is how yeah. they get their money involved too. So I think they have to maintain the follower. That's my phone. Ah. Maintain their followers and – and what have you. And so I think that's that's there as far as like the money side of it. But I'm saying as far as like the team side of it, yeah, if you yeah, don't graduate, culture. man, that money should go back to the other team, to the other players. Because everyone on that team is not getting 100000 the contract. Right. But over that process, you know, everyone can graduate and say and have 50000 Well, that's not bad starting out cost when you didn't pay for anything. You can get you a suit out of that, get you some clothes, you can get you a job, you can move somewhere, you can get on your feet. And it adds an incentive to the investors because it's like you when once you once a player or any any entity signs a contract for this money, it's not yours anymore. It's with the players or the player. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that money you're not going to just get back. You're not touching it. You, once yeah. you once you've given five hundred thousand dollars to a player, if it doesn't go to that player, well, it goes somewhere else. So you mm-hmm. better make sure you're spending that money wisely. Right. And right. So. And then if you know everyone's so concerned about the shrieks, mm-hmm. how about the graduation shriek? Mm-hmm. How many yeah. players are graduating? The grading percentages <clears throat> that has to have some kind of monetary compensation for that too. The universities get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can focus on that too. Absolutely. And I was thinking you could also add kind of like uh, what they do in the NFL. You add incentives to your performance. Like, yeah. hey, 500000 but guess what? You get you get an extra 100000 if you win a conference championship. You get an extra 250000 if you win yeah. – uh, if you or I guess, uh, you know, let's make it even bigger. If you win a national championship, mm. million bucks, buddy. Yeah. So you better work for it. That's and, – yeah. And if you don't – and and like if you never start, we're gonna still pay you money because you stayed committed. Yeah. Like, cause that's what'll keep people around. It's like, okay, if I never start, I know I'm getting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars when it's said and done. So yeah. I'm gonna keep my nose on the grindstone and keep working. Yeah. There's gotta be an incentive structure to this stuff. Yeah. And you know, the whole reason for this whole thing was that the, the, not the entire reason, but I think a little a majority was it because 
people thought the universities were taking advantage of the kids that they came in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's changed is there's a new pimp in town. <laughs> that's all that really changed. There's just a new pimp in town because now that the university is taking the money now, now who is it now? It's yeah. the parents. It's the background noise. Yeah. It's the one saying, hey, man, you know what? You deserve more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but I didn't start. Yeah, but you deserve more than that. So turn down that scholarship in Nebraska and go sure. to the portal. Yep. And then you sit in the portal for the next six years and you don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or you ended up at a group of five school like three quarterbacks just did, and the one dude that ends up at a power five is Alante Brown. Who would have saw that coming, right? You know what, guys? I hate to interrupt the conversation, but being part of Herd at Media now, Scott, we did forget something. Got one quick ad read real quick. Uh, we have a Generation Red coupon code for you guys. If you want to subscribe to Hale Varsity, I highly recommend it. Their magazine is incredible. You get 10 magazines a year. I get $10 off an annual subscription by going to, uh, well, click the link in the <laughs> in the description of this show after it uh, goes live. Uh, com slash subscribe and type in all one word generation red in the coupon code box at checkout and you'll get 10 bucks off. And you can't go wrong. Excellent coverage. And uh, we're truly honored to be a part of Herd App Media. So, um, any other anything else? You had any other yeah. ideas of conversations, Scott? Well, we had such an interesting and robust conversation about culture. So I want to just one more time circle back around to your experience in college. And you made a comment about it that there were just there's some things that you experienced in college that you carry with you today. Was there like one piece of advice? Was there like one type of mentality that you received that maybe at the time you didn't appreciate very well, but you still today go, I find myself doing this or saying this or thinking this over and over and over again when I was in my late teens, early twenties was like, what the hell is this? What's the one, like, what's a, what's a thing or a few things, if you can think of them that you were like, damn, this is like built me into the person I am today. You know, um, it it was it was one saying from Coach Brink. He used to always say we're creatures of our, we're creatures of habit, mm. and I bought you to always try to incorporate that in what I do and just be aware of how long that I do things, what I do, because again we are creatures of habit. If I continue to send thing over and over again, it becomes a habit for a while, and just I focus on trying to consciously prevent myself from doing certain things repetitively. Mm. So I think that was a big thing that I learned from that was Coach Brown. I, I don't know. I can still hear him every time I, in my head. Where could you have Where could you have Yeah, I hear you all the time. I hear you, Coach. I hear you. <laughs> if you do yeah. the right thing over and over again, it becomes easier to it's do, not the right do the right thing. thing. Yeah, it's not even doing the right thing. It's just a matter of doing anything. Yes, because yes. That's what I mean. Habits. So if I try to be do the wrong of, thing over and over again, you're going to keep doing it. Exactly. So I try to be make myself more aware of what I'm doing, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, to prevent that habit from setting in. But, you know, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. <laughs> but I still try. That's yeah. all that matters, man. Right, righteous, righteous. So let's talk real quick just about what do you think of the potential culture that Matt Rule could be bringing to Nebraska? We kind of briefly brushed over it with him building a culture of grinders and building a culture mm-hmm. of developers and all that stuff. What do you personally think of that? Is Do you think he's just the the preacher, the, the used car salesman, or do you think that there is, is something that's a little bit more organic about it? Hmm. I, um, I've talked to a number of players and a few coaches and 
the idea again, the, again, I think it kind of ties into the, uh, the commitment part of it, the, the discipline of being around. Yeah. The idea is great. And you're preaching discipline and you're preaching accountability, but who are you preaching it to? Do mm. guys who are going to stay here and, and apply that or guys who are going to go, hmm, I don't want to do this. I'm leaving. Because, I mean, you put a starting quarterback now and then we lost three the same the next week. Yep. So how often do you, can you do that with having a couple of quarterbacks on our line that's going to be possibly not ready to go? Who gets mm. hurt? Mm-hmm. Some of the quarterback in place. So the idea of being disciplined and that's all great. That's fine and dandy, but to who? Mm-hmm. You got to find those kids back to who want to commit and stay around a program and look for the national championship. I mean, honestly, how many kids are looking for the national championship or looking for maybe another deal? Right. How many mm-hmm. care about winning a national championship, winning a cup, winning a ring, or getting five hundred thousand dollars? How many care about graduating from a specific university? versus getting paid by another one, you know? So mm. until you can find a committed mentality, I don't see that happening. Everybody's too flighty, man. Everybody's mm-hmm. entirely too flighty these days. You know, if it's not nice, you don't mean feel a certain way, I'm gone. Mm. Yeah. You no know, one's with the diversity and deal with that. Cause I mean, we, we, you learn more from mistakes than anything else. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. we're, we're afraid to let people make mistakes. I ain't that the truth. That's what it is. It's just everybody, the, 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 the coddle culture. You know, it's like make let them make mistakes. Let them fall on their knee up. They'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Be and then right. tell them that they made a mistake. Not not make them pretend like pretending that they didn't make a mistake. It was the oh, fault. No, no, no. It yeah, was the yeah, yeah. Fault. No, you failed because you no, were being you clumsy and you hurt yourself. <laughs> Deal with it. Get over it. Come back strong. Right. You know. I like it. But until we get to that, I mean, the idea sounds good. I've I, I met some of the players and some of the coaches, and I've heard some stories about Matt Rule and his his the way he does things at practice. And I, I, we were all for it. I mean, our chest was out. Like, we were happy as could be to hear something that he was doing at practice with, mm-hmm. with the players and accountability and stuff like that. The only question is who's going to stay around to to receive the information he's giving and apply it here. Mm. So it might take some time. It might take some time. I'm not even 100% not even- certain how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the mentality just changes all the way around to where we're just focusing on bringing guys in who can win right now. Like we can get that guy who's a fifth, you know, who's yeah. a bull, and we will pay him two million. We'll pay this guy three million, and pay this guy over here five hundred thousand, and just bring them all in and see what happens. But so you mean like the coach prime NFL. model? <laughs> yeah, I mean. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that works. We'll see how that plays he, could, he could fall flat or he could completely change the way college football coaches look at putting together a roster if it works. Right? You know, I mean, as far as the roster deal with the, with the whole Dion situation, I think that's kind of overblown and hyped. I mean, he's oh, sure. lost players, but he brought players in. My question is going to be with that whole program is I don't know his coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can they coach? <laughs> that's the big question is can they coach? Not going to get players. They can have all the best players in the world there, but if you can't coach them, yeah, who knows? I mean, look so. at Texas. They had five-star recruits falling in their lap for the last decade. And, and can't win a conference championship. No. You know? No. So it's 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 going to be a re- – um, it's going to be at the be on the players' mentality that they bring in. I mean, like, look, look at right now in the NBA. Look at the, the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. How are they there? They got good players, yeah, but they're not. There's no, they don't have any alters in their team. They're not a team run by overrun by first first round NBA players. No, nah, it's not. They just came in and grinded it out. So and so we can find that mentality of player that come in once they just grind it out. The system is going to be what it is until we can find the players to fill it in. Mm-hmm. I like it. 
interesting discussion for sure. Well, I got one fun question. What's that? If you could choose one thing that you could change at the snap of a finger about our Husker program, what would it be? That's not a fun question. Yeah, it's a trick question. <laughs> it's fun for me. Oh, geez. One thing I would change. Like you have a genie, but he's like, oh, sorry. The two wishes went to Nick Saban. You only get one. You get one wish to change <laughs> for Nebraska football. What would I change? I know it's spicy. Um, That's a tough one. To me, that's I'd a- rewind to 2002 and – not hire Steve Peterson in the first place, but that's just me. <laughs> mm. Oh, you mean like those changes, huh? Uh, no, <laughs> nah, it could be. It could, I would say, it could be retrospective or it could just be like, you know, we've talked about culture. Like, boom, somehow they have like some weird hypnotism where everybody that comes there just has no concept of even leaving, you know? Oh, like, you know what I would do? If I could sum up and have one thing happen, I would bring back the coaching staff from, ninth, from the 90s. Oh yeah, just have like carbon copies, boom, and just see what they do with this culture. Charlie McBride with, with this current culture, how they would do. <laughs> the brains would melt. Here and bring get, them back at the age Coach that Steel, they cussing were. Them out, when McBride they were, cussing them out. Mm, yeah, I don't think that would be a good situation to be in. No, to hear McBride <laughs> question you. There's a lot of. So, I've got a question for you because it's the first time I've ever had been in the room. Other than I went to the pipeline event, we did at the Hale Varsity Club, got mm-hmm. to sit there and listen to the stories from those guys, which is highly entertaining yes. young men. Um, what was it like running on that field and getting ready to play Miami in that Orange Bowl? Um, I remember watching and hearing stories. You know, they, were, they weren't really warming up. They were just kind of walking around and yelling oh. at the crowd, and then you guys are out there doing the stuff that you usually do. Did you know you were going to – did you go into that going, yeah, that – this is going to be the second time they're going to lose this year on this field. Because they had lot, they won what sixty three games in a row in the Orange Bowl until like that. Washington that year beat them. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't recall the mentality per se. Um, we just had a, we had a. I remember we were playing this uh, song. Tired of being stepped on. It was a rap song that came out like in the nineties. And we had that on the bus playing, but it was basically a song about just tired of being the underdogs, being stepped on and what have you. So we had that mentality, but I don't recall, like, I don't recall a whole lot of conversation about the game and about the game and the preparation for it and what Alphonse said. I mean, I remember more of what he said from Florida game than he did in the Miami game. Yeah, because the Florida game, he told us that we, if we that we did what we normally do we'll beat these guys like we did Missouri. And if you recall that year, we beat Missouri like 70 to nothing. Yeah, that was, it was 49 to nothing, I think, it was, was that ridiculous. It was crazy. It was ridiculous. And yeah. I'm like, this is a national championship game. Yeah. I don't see that happening. And we did 64 to 64 to 62 to 24. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember that one very vividly. <laughs> as far as what Osborne said to us, no, I don't remember a whole lot about the Miami game. I just remember Warren Sapp and those guys were – Amped. Oh yeah. When the cameras were on. Mm-hmm. When the cameras were on, oh, these guys were on the field. They were huffing and puffing. When the cameras went off, TV timeouts, those guys dropped like flies. <laughs> they dropped like flies, popped their helmets off. They were on their backs just dying. 
Oh, wow. They were so out of shape. And we were just <laughs> looking at them like they were stupid. Like, what's wrong with these dudes? Like, they needed AstroTurf. And they couldn't they, play on grass. They couldn't play with the with the speed we were going at. You know, <laughs> yeah. we were going at them. We were hitting them in, all the time. Mm-hmm. I remember um, Coach Brown had told us that he went to a coaching clinic afterwards. And the Miami uh, defensive back coaches were down there. And they were talking about how the, the game. And they said, yeah, man, you know, our guys were crying after the game. And, you know, I, Coach Brown being the he's like, oh yeah, it was a pretty emotional game. <laughs> Studios falling apart. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. That's what it is. He said, yeah. uh, but he said uh that the guys were crying after the game. And I you know Coach Brown was like, Yeah, it was a pretty emotional game, and I get it. No, they were cranking, they were sore. They, they were been, hurt. They'd never been hit like that. Because you know, in Nebraska <laughs> receivers, we hit you every play. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't care if the ball going that way. We're going to hit you over here. We're hitting you every single play. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times when you play against a passing team or passing conference, off. it's like touchy touchy. It's not so much contact, but we smack you every single play. You're getting chop blocked every single play. That has to frustrate you as a player. Yeah. You know, even when you're not even involved in the play, you're getting chop you, blocked. You, you're on the ground, and when you get up, you're like, the play was, was way, way over, over there. there. Why are you <laughs> watching that? swivel? That's yeah. very demoralizing. What, we don't, we don't, we get greater on this. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, I I don't, don't do if I don't do this, I don't shop like you. We see it on film. I'm going to be hurt more I'm than you, <laughs> right? So yes, so that kind of was like the mentality we had. We were just a physical team. We were just mm-hmm. physical all the way around. I mean, I, yeah, we were just a physical team all the way around, from our kickers to you know our running backs, obviously linemen. We were just a physical team, and I think that was what got us to where we were at. We were just that much more physical and dominating mm-hmm. for four quarters. It wasn't just the first half or first quarter. We smacked you from the first to the fourth yep. continuously. <laughs> continuously. No mercy. Yep. No I, mercy. I remember like the early 90s, Nebraska would go down to the Orange Bowl. There was a couple of years, in, I think, in a row that Nebraska played Miami. Got smoked. Absolutely mm-hmm. got smoked. But the Miami players were quoted after the game going, we've never played a more physical game than we played tonight. Those guys don't quit. They no. beat you up. Every and it was time. like. Wow. Even back, even when we were getting smoked, we were still smoking people, you know, hurting them. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be nice to get that back because it seems like that's what Rule wants. It really does. It seems like that's what he he, he wants. He wants physicality. He wants physical That's what Kirby football. Smart's got going on at yep. Georgia. So Alabama, plays they out. all got it. Yeah. We're going to see how it plays out. Yep. We're going to see Minnesota. That should be a win for us. I mean, should, should be. be. Should be. First I got game it should be interesting. Huh? I got it chalked off as an L. Yeah, it depends on which. Like, prove it to me. Prove it to me. I I, there's too many times where I've been like, we should win this game, (laughs) and we don't. And we don't. Yeah, that was our show last week. We did the, we did we went through the schedule and predicted wins and losses based on if we were drinking Kool Aid, or we were looking at it through the lens of the last six years. Way too early season prediction. Yeah. So, so if I'm looking at it through Kool Aid filled glasses, I'm thinking ten and two. I'm thinking you lose to Michigan, you lose to Wisconsin. Mm If I'm thinking like based on what I've seen the last five years and knowing what rule wants to do and change how the way this team plays, I'm thinking six and six or seven and five. I think you had six, yeah, and, had six. six and six. I had seven and five. Good so yeah, yeah. Go for it, <laughs> dude. Bathroom, go man. for it. We're, uh, we're just about, about done. Anyway, right down straight the across the hall. Yep. Just walk straight. Second door on the left. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, yes. Live streams. This has been fun though. Oh, it has been. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, we appreciate those of you who've stuck around and watched. Um, and those of you who haven't, shame on you. Uh, and those of you who are listening to this uh, after the fact, we really appreciate it. Um, 
It was really cool. If you hopefully you got the last episode because we finally got everything switched over, migrated over to the Herdat media uh, hosting platform. So from now on, you'll be set set to get those uh, episodes there, and hopefully soon we'll have some uh, some more advertising and some more um, extra special stuff that you guys can get. Uh, through listening to the show. And if you're not doing anything tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m. live at the Hale Varsity Club, it's not going to be us, but it will be another Herd at Media, Herd at Sports Network uh, podcast, The Church of the Corn. Uh, used to have a show on AM radio, or the, I, maybe they still do. I don't remember if maybe it's just during the football season or what, but uh, those guys are always fun. So Zach and um, what's his name? Drake are going to be out at the Hale Varsity Club. I'm not sure if Fitz will be, but uh, I'll be there. So if you're not doing anything tomorrow and you want to hang out where they've got really good food, the pizza's good. I'm dying to try that charcuterie pretzel. So I'm going yeah. to do that and uh, have a couple of mocktails. So it should be a good time. Yeah, I won't, and, uh, I won't be able to go there. I got some. We're getting our carpet cleaned tomorrow, and so our entire apartment is in complete disarray, and it would be very not husbandly of me to leave my <laughs> wife to sort that out when uh, when uh, I'm gone. So I won't be able to make it. Sorry, boys. Um, but that should be that should be a ton of fun. Um, I'm, I look forward to hearing how that how that was from my dad. Yeah. We've been to Hale Varsity a few times now for – yeah, that's a cool place to go to events. watch podcasts uh, for events and all that stuff. The pipeline event was a blast. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to that. You know what? Tomorrow, Scott, I think uh, we're going to Grand Island. We've got some got a table, dining room table, sold our old one. So we're going to go oh, deliver that yes. to Michelle and her family there in Grand Island, Michelle oh, Schrock. So that's pretty cool. Sweet. And um, we'll do that, and then I think I'm going to go and find some spray adhesive <laughs> and spray yeah. the back of these self-adhesive panels that keep falling off my freaking wall yeah i see there's <laughs> so, one back there yep there's one underneath there behind the desk so yeah it's time to uh it's time to fix that problem i've got a bunch of them that keep dropping off the wall every day i come in here there's six of them laying on the floor so <laughs> it, it, it is self-adhesive they stuck really good in the winter and then as it started warming up they started falling off the wall so i don't yeah, know yeah the but, humidity but uh yeah. yeah so do you have anything else you wanted to talk about scott or well, we have this uh, fun, fun oh, little yes. portion that we do at the end of every single episode, and it's called Fun Facts. And it's where me and my dad try and reach as far up our butt that we possibly can to figure out a fun fact about ourselves, because most of them usually aren't. So it doesn't even have to be a fun fact. It doesn't have to be job-related. doesn't even have to be hobby-related. It could be something absurd like, my left fingernail hurts all the time, and I don't know why. I should get it checked out. What's a fun fact about Riley Washington? Wow. He wow. comes up with the obscurity. Trust he me. He did. It's all I'm about it. Like looking like, I'm trying to think for a second here. Like, what's something odd and obscure about me? Hmm. Or it could just be something super boring and simple. Like, I really like barbecue. I don't know. Mm. Who doesn't? Yeah, barbecue <laughs> is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty tough, though. Um, yeah, I don't. Weird and obscure about me. Hmm. I don't know. I'm about to be 50. <laughs> oh, no shit. And I don't look it. I don't know. No, you uh, don't, dude. Yeah. You don't You don't color this at no, all. No grays on here. Well, not now, anyway. They may pop up Mine somewhere. was mostly white by the time I was 50. So. I was trying to do that on purpose. <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> Almost 50. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. That's Welcome about to it, the man. Camp. I don't have anything. I mean, I guess I should be told what's weird about me, I guess, what's different. I don't know. 
No, it's all I wear good. headphones every day. Headphones every day? <laughs> yeah, I wear headphones every day. If you know me in the barbershop, I'm wearing yeah. a pair of headphones. Okay. Every single day. Got the beats? Is that they're what never, you got? They're never on, though. Oh, yeah. They're never on my ears. Just kind of cancel just everything out. Sitting there just, just sitting up like that? Yep. 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 Don't, mind, don't mind your own thoughts then, huh? <laughs> right. I don't. I used to work at Hornady Manufacturing. I guess I'd call this my fun fact. I used to work at Hornady Manufacturing when we lived in Grand Island. Made bullets, you know, for a living. And uh, you had to hear hearing protection since manufacturing plants. Loud as all get out in there. So my, my first, they first moved me to night shift. I was working 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. And instead of putting earplugs in my ears, I just got myself a pair of Bluetooth headphones. So all I did was listen to music and podcasts all night long while I was working. It was awesome. <laughs> I hope nobody from Hornady's watching and they outlaw that for any future employers. But, but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that's what got me into doing podcasting. I found a podcast one day and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I was like, what if they have Husker podcasts? Oh, yeah. All I did is put Husker and it was like 35,000 of them came up. And I'm like, <laughs> shoot, what? Do, which one do I subscribe to? And then next thing you know, do we're talking know. about doing one. And then the next thing you know, we're part of uh, the media network that runs Hail Varsity. So, which was the first Husker podcast. Freaking I ever cool is that, to. right? That is very so, cool. Very cool. You got one, Scott. Yeah. Uh, so just recently, I went and spent way too much money at Home Depot and got everything that I needed to start my own little garden on our deck. Um, so I've got like a couple cilantro plants, a couple uh, uh, rosemary plants. I got some sweet basil. And then I just planted a couple tomato plants and a little red be bell pepper plant and some strawberries and then just a bunch of plants for the inside of the house and all this stuff because I just was like – when me and my wife lived at our old apartment, we had quite a collection of plants and, and we kept them fairly alive. And then we moved to our new place and made the mistake of putting them up in this little spot that looked really cool, but you just <laughs> didn't think to water them. And so they all died. And, and, and then the ones that were still alive, we just like, we just didn't care anymore. So we're going to try it again. We're going to try the green thumb process and, and I mean, I love rosemary. I use it to cook my steaks all the time. I love cilantro. I could literally eat it like a salad. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, sweet basil. Oh, we're going to try and do like a homemade like margarita pizza, which oh, is like dude. the fresh basil, fresh mozzarella, fresh like tomato, fresca type stuff. And just make like a nice little little margarita pizza. Only thing we don't have is a brick oven, which is a travesty. But we'll 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 figure something out. But yeah, I was like, why the heck not? Because me and my wife plan on uh, on getting our first house next year, and we plan on eventually getting some chickens and growing our own garden. So it's like, well, we might as well start now and and do the school of hard knocks, learn yeah. from our mistakes now, so okay. we have a little bit of practice, yep. but. But it's kind of cool. I go out to my plants. And I'm just like such a, I'm like, you know, I, I'll be ready to be a dad when the day comes because I'm sitting out there in my, my, <laughs> my khakis and my polo. And I'm like, God damn, look at these plants. This is great. He's got his black socks on yeah. with his orthopedic <laughs> shoes. I, I just need to get the new balance. I need to get the white new balance and I'll be, I'll be set the to go. In. White uh, new balance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I just was like, God damn, these are some beautiful plants. <laughs> uh, so that's a fun fact about me that that just uh, that just oh, came man. to fruition, no pun intended, um, this uh, this last weekend. So pretty excited about it. Way to go! Way to go! <laughs> <laughs> well, Riley, 
uh, my friend, it has been an absolute blast getting to know you, getting to hear, hear, hear some of your story and how you guys connected and, and just, uh, you know, watching those teams play, um, still to this day, I, I can't get enough of watching how you guys executed, um, and how dominant you guys were and how the mentality that I thought that team had everybody I've heard talk about those days said the same things that, that you're saying today, sitting here at this table and having one of you sit here is just, to me, it's, it's the reason I built this thing. If you build it, players will come. See, I heard that in my ears, right? Or if you build it, it will stream something like that. But seriously, Riley, thank you so much for your time. You are welcome back at this table. Anytime you want. I appreciate it. If you want to hang out with us and break down some games this year, We'd love it. That would be I pretty appreciate cool. That. Appreciate so, yep. uh, thank you. We've been really. talking about this forever. It's just yeah. taken. It's taken a lot of time to just make it happen. Find the time for yeah, it. Yeah, right? find right. the time for it. So, thank you so much. Well, I definitely yep. appreciate it. So, where can folks find you if they wanted to on social media, or do you, is your is your your um, barbershop on social media as well? Yes, it is. But you can find me on social media uh, at Unk the Barber on Facebook. S U N K T H A B A R B E R. Um, okay. I'm on all the social media platforms as that. So awesome. Right. I need a haircut. Click the link. Come in and see me. We'll have a shit. We'll shoot the shit with you. Have some bourbon. Have a haircut. Dude, that sounds like a blast. It sounds is. like a blast. Scott, and you? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Gen Red Pod. That's Scott with two T's. The second T is silent. So you can follow me on there. Still haven't been very active because it's dead off season. So. Yep. Yeah, just give me a follow and and maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, do some stuff there. But that's where you can find me. Well, you can find the show at Gen Red Pod and all the places on social media. Generation Red on your favorite podcast app, which the audio for this show should be available by Tuesday morning. And uh, we really appreciate y'all listening. And uh, my stomach is flat, but the L is silent. So there you go. Um, <laughs> that might be the new one because if you can do that with the two T's, I can do that with the L and flat. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Anyway, he's Scott. I'm Ken. Together we're Generation Red. Riley Washington's in the studio with us, and we really appreciate him coming. And we're here to remind you each and every week that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. And Iowa's corn sucks bunion skin. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, by the way, next week. Willie Miller sitting at this table. Oh yeah. Talking oh, about yeah. his Willie story Miller. as well. Yeah, uh, Willie. Being a being a husker and then uh his post post uh, graduation life, which was interesting. So I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking with him. So thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye.